The NFL is back and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for week one. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly. No matter what, take advantage of this limited time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any week one game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all of the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlanski. As always, I am joined by Nick Horwat here on this Monday morning. Everybody's got to love Mondays. Probably not. But we have a good episode for you guys. We're going to talk about the Metropolitan Division as it is joining back together here after a one-year hiatus. And we'll talk about, more specifically... Where do the Pittsburgh Penguins stand right now in the Metropolitan Division? That's going to be the bulk of our episode. And then we're going to get into our weekly Pens poll, which of course revolved around Penguins forward Jason Zucker. We'll get to that a little bit later. But Hora, let's start out with the Metropolitan Division. The Penguins last year were able to come out in first place of the NHL's revamped East Division, which included teams like Boston and Buffalo, which we are not going to see in division play. But we will welcome back the Columbus Blue Jackets as well as the Carolina Hurricanes into division action. Do you like the Metropolitan Division as a whole? Do you like this division construct that the NHL is moving back to? Yeah, I like it. I've complained about other divisions being set up weirdly before, but that's not the division in question here. If you were to ask me on paper, does the Metro make sense? Absolutely. It's the... The New York teams, it's the Pennsylvania teams. You slim it, you slide into Ohio a little bit. DC, yeah, you kind of reach down to Carolina, kind of scoop them up, but hey, they're, the vicinity isn't terrible. Um, I think the setup makes sense. Um, yeah, I like the setup of the Metro. It's good, the teams are good, and Boston's not in it, so I really like it. Yeah, you're not a big fan of the Boston Bruins. But let's talk about, specifically, the Metropolitan Division. When you look at this division, who do you see as the class of the Metro going into this season? Because we have obviously have two division winners from last year here, with Carolina winning the Central and Pittsburgh winning the East. But then we also have the New York Islanders, who made it the whole way to Game 7 of the Stanley Cup semifinals. So who do you see as the class of this division? going into the 2021-22 season. 
That's really hard because you, I like taking in also just how good the teams have been historically. Mm-hmm. And I mean, clearly, like the Penguins haven't missed in 15 seasons. Um, Washington's always been a division champion. Um, yeah, the Islanders have gotten there the past two years to the Eastern Conference Finals or the Conference Finals. Um, you know, you mentioned Carolina being a division leader last season. It's hard to pick a top tier team right now because they're all very even in that sort of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but as to if going into this season, who? Oh, it's, oh, it's really hard. I'm going to just say the Penguins because, um, yeah, they haven't won that many over the years, that many division titles or whatever it may be, mm-hmm. but they've always been there. They've always been among the top teams. They've 15 straight years in the playoffs. That means something. And they won the hardest division and arguably the hardest division in the sport last year. So I think it's a good chance that that could be the top. If not, Carolina might put up a good fight. I don't know how good that team is supposed to be on paper right now. Yeah. Um, but they've got room to grow. They still have a super young team that um, that still needs to pay Sveshnikov. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they have a good, talented team. You know, it's got a good chance of becoming what it was again they added Ian Cole there um gonna pay Sveshnikov eventually Sveshnikov is always a threat Ethan Bear Ethan Bear is a big one I get they revamped and retooled their goaltending situation to be two um let's just call them inconsistent goalies so that might be their downfall but for what it's worth in front of them should be a pretty solid solidly built team so I'm torn between Carolina and Pittsburgh in that situation Yeah, Carolina was impressive last year, hence the reason they won their division, and they were also impressive in their first-round victory over the Nashville Predators. I thought they put up a pretty decent fight against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who would eventually become the Stanley Cup champions, which is why I think they're part of the class of this division. I, as of right now, would slot them in at second because of that goaltending situation. They had an embarrassment of riches when it came to the forward position. Then you lose Morgan Geeky in the Seattle Mm -hmm. expansion draft. You use Warren Fogle as a trade piece for Ethan Bear, who I think is going to help them. I think that helps kind of bridge the gap between the absence of Dougie Hamilton, which was the other big thing for the Carolina Hurricanes. They lost Dougie Hamilton to another Metropolitan Division rival who we'll talk about in the Devils. But I think when you look at the Hurricanes, they didn't lose too much, but I don't think their goaltending is enough for me to trust that they're going to run away with this division. I think they'll come in second. And I think they're still the class of this division when it comes to a wholesale look at their team. But I just don't see a team in this division as good as the New York Islanders are. And I have talked down to the New York Islanders a lot the past two seasons. Whether it was going into the Stanley Cup playoffs last year when they were getting ready to face the Pittsburgh Penguins. Whether it was at the beginning of last season when I predicted them to finish in seventh in the East Division. I was very wrong. The year prior, I did not see them going to the Eastern Conference Finals. I didn't see them getting out of the first round the year prior. I have disrespected the team on Long Island long enough, and I finally can see my the error of my ways, and I look at Barry Trotz's team, who has held pat to the team that was one game away, two goals away from a Stanley Cup Finals appearance, 
I'll say those two teams, the Hurricanes and the Islanders, but more specifically the Islanders, are the class of this division heading into the season. I don't hate that answer. I mean, I kind of do because I, I don't like that team. You hate the Islanders. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but looking up and down this team, it's not bad. I don't like these players, but I mean, and it's all just that boring style of hockey that everyone hates playing against, and maybe that's the reason for this. But, um, yeah, it's not a totally terrible answer. They got to figure out goaltending, though, I think. Like, yeah, Varlamov is there and is okay. Currently, they got to figure out a Sorokin contract, it looks like. Yeah. And, I mean, they got the room to pay him, so that's no big deal, but it's just a matter of... Oh, and Beauvillier is still a RFA. But, yeah, but um, they also have their highest-paid defenseman on the books right now is retired, but hasn't just made it official yet. So that's $6 million also. Oh, uh, yeah, Johnny Boychuk. Mm-hmm. He's 37. Yes. I thought he was just... I thought he retired because... Uh, yeah. Um... So, yeah, they'll have the room to pay. That's no big deal. But it's such a weirdly structured team, too, because you see guys like, you know, Barzal and Bovillier, who they can shoot the puck. They can score, man. But and it's all these defensive-minded forwards and all these defensive defensemen, and yet they still get it done. Hate playing against that style of hockey, but, again, that's why they win games. Yep. I mean, it is the perfect lineup it seems, for Barry Trotz. And that's the reason that he has been so successful is because he has the guys that he wants. And Lou Lamorella does a really good job of feeding into that style of play with all of his signings, with all of his trades. J.G. Pajot was... Uh, it turned out to be a very good trade for them. I think they gave up a lot for him, but mm-hmm. it still it turned out that you got a really good player that fits the mold extremely well. So that's why I like the Islanders. I told you why I like the Hurricanes, but the way I picture this division, as of... This day, when we record this in mid-August, I see it this division as the Islanders and the Hurricanes, and then a five-team mosh behind that, and then Columbus. <laughs> I, I mean, Columbus, it is what it is. They have some good players, but, I mean, Damn, you, think- you have Patrick Laine. Does he really want to be there? Who knows? They have Max Domi. Do they want Max Domi there? Who knows? Most of their good players are players that who knows whether or not they actually want to be there and who knows if they're going to be there by the end of the season. They're a team in the rebuild and that's pretty simple like that. So I don't think Columbus is going to really contest for anything this year, but ahead of them, there's five teams that are going to probably contest for the third spot in the Metro and probably a couple of the wild cards. So you think the devils have a chance of fighting for that spot? eh? I an outside chance. All yes. Right, all right. I and, do. And, and can the flyers regroup? I believe they do. All right. Uh, I didn't like all of their off-season moves, but I I like that they tried something. <laughs> they love overpaying for defensemen. Uh, yeah, Ras- the, the Rasmus Ristolainen deal is the one that really bites me when I look at that and just, what is Chuck Fletcher doing? Spending that much on a defenseman that, yeah, sure, he played in Buffalo, and I'm sure he's going to have better results and better numbers when he's not on Buffalo, but his numbers were so astronomically awful that I don't see him doing that much better, especially in the division that he's in. I'll tell you what, they have an old defensive core, too. Like, yeah, yeah. there's Provorov who's 24, but Ryan Ellis is now 30 and is signed until the end of time. Yeah, but Ryan Ellis, I think, was a great addition for them. They need a Ryan Ellis type yeah. guy on the back end because their defense was so porous last year. So I think Ryan Ellis is going to... I think that was probably one of the most shrewd moves that Fletcher made. Yeah, then there's... 
Justin Braun, who's old and slow. Yes. Uh, Keith Yandu, who was only there because he's buddy buddy with Hayes. Yeah, but he'll help their power play a little. He bit. will. He'll. He's. What happened with him exactly? What What did Florida have against him? Wasn't he still uh, a good player? Joel Quenville was not a fan, and Keith Yandel does not play defense particularly well anymore. Word. Uh, he, I mean, he's. <laughs> let's, and let's let's just be honest. He's there because he's buddy buddy with Hayes, and it's. I'm, That's probably why he signed there. Yes. Yeah, and uh, it's just another player for me to really dislike on the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got two young guys in Morin and Sanheim, who still needs a contract. Gotta love this time of year. But then. Carter Hart, Carter Hart and Martin Jones. Yeah, you're going to be excited to watch Martin Jones as a divisional opponent. I can't wait to not see Martin Jones in any of the games we play oh, just yeah, to most, spite you. Oh, uh, and that's perfectly understandable because Carter Hart wasn't too much better last season. So, pick your poison. Again, again his defense was not great. So, they did, I think, upgrade a yeah. little bit in that in that department. Now, the names that went out for Philadelphia are some, some big names and some names of players that it seemed like they were always going to hold on to for some a reason. And that's Shane Gossespierre, who they offloaded to the Arizona Coyotes. And that's Jacob Voracek, who they offloaded to Columbus, who I'm sure Voracek's going to be fine in Columbus, but he's not the 20-goal scorer that he has been throughout the majority of his career. Maybe he gets back to that with a full season this year, but I, I don't see it there. But I did like bringing back Cam Atkinson for the Philadelphia Flyers. I think he fits the mold perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think if you put him on a line – with Travis Konechny, you're going to have some good things happen for the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah, I think this team could be interesting. I still don't see him doing too much just because they're going to rely a ton on their goaltending bouncing back into their forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a question mark. I get they overpaid for def- for their defenders, but hey, so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there is their forward core, which is both aging and young and good at the same time. It's the wildest. There's no middle ground. Yeah, it's, you know, veteran Claude Giroux. Not old man Hayes, but vastly overpaid Hayes. Old man uh, JVR. Oh, Cam Atkinson's 32 too? Yeah, Cam Atkinson's no spring chicken. Damn. Uh, But then then you got Konechny, Couturier, Lawton, um, and then a bunch of RFAs next season. Nico Bay-Kubel. One of them. Who seems to always score. And Joel Farabee, who seems to always score also, against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Also another RFA for next season. They have five forward RFA coming up coming up next season. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. those, and a couple of those you want to pay. Good luck. Morgan Frost is one of them. Yeah, but Morgan Frost hasn't really done much in the NHL. I mean, that might change this year. But yeah. he hasn't done much to garner that big of a contract so far. But looking at Philly, they were probably the most busy team of these five, obviously, I think the Hurricanes were the most busy team in the Metropolitan Division, considering they got rid of three goaltenders and brought in two more. Yeah. But, no, Philadelphia, of these five teams that I think are going to contend for that number three spot in the division and a couple of wild cards, I think Philly has done the most. The Rangers basically said we need Tom Wilson deterrent and added guys like Ryan Reeves, added Tenorti from the Boston Bruins, and they also added... Barclay Goodrow for forever and ever. Amen. So they look to get a little bit more sandpaper finish. I mean, that's that's what they wanted. They wanted to be tougher, and that's what they went out and did. That's what general manager Chris Drury set his sights on, and he was able to accomplish his goal. We'll see how it works out for the Rangers because part of that was also a Sammy Blay for Pavel Buchnevich trade that I'm not sure <laughs> – what the point there was. I know salary cap becomes a thing and they signed Shesterkin, which was nice as well, but 
I think this team was a team that was knocking on playoff store last year. This year, those moves are moves made for playoff hockey, not necessarily regular season hockey. So you still don't know if they're good enough to push into the playoffs, but if they are, these moves set them up for that time. Yeah, and my question that I'll have for you is, do you think like some of their young forwards can grow into the uh, potential they were supposed to hit? Like a Kapokako, who only has 40 career points at right now, or Lafreniere, whose numbers I need to get in front of me. Um, yeah. But I, we know he kind of had a slower start to what we were expecting, only... 12 goals and 9 assists for a 56-game season. Not awful for a rookie, Mm -hmm. but probably not what everyone expected. Yeah, and I think there's also a lot to be said about the fact that he was a first overall pick, Mm -hmm. but he wasn't a first overall pick that played on the first line with the best players because he didn't play with Artemi Panarin. Right. He didn't play with Mika Zibanejad. That would have changed a lot, and at least I, not that I remember him playing with either of those two, but... Capo Caco is a big question mark to me yeah. because he was the second overall pick two years ago. You said he only has 40 career points. I get that they're shortened seasons, but he was very disappointing in year one. Yeah. Year two, he was better, but still not great. Um, I think Adam Fox, obviously, oh, is probably yeah. the best defenseman in the Metropolitan Division. I don't know if that's a hot take. I'm trying to think of all the other ones. I mean, Dougie Hamilton is good. Uh, I will say John Carlson in Washington is good, but Adam Fox, for the age that he is and the game that he plays, is probably the best defenseman in this division. And if you can get a guy like Lafreniere to meet his expectations, along with you know Panarin, Zibanejad, it's going to be a tough team to beat. They were a tough team to beat last year. Yeah. They were not an easy win. So the thing about Lafreniere is he's on um, Catherine at least only listed as a left winger. And both Panarin and Kreider are also only listed as left-wingers. So if you're not able to move positions around, I mean, first of all, that's a hell of a left-wing core. Yeah. Let's start there. That is, you know, Panarin, Kreider, Lafreniere, and then I believe, yeah, Goudreau is the sole Mm left-winger. Tell you what, that's not terrible. I'll take that on my team. Um but it is kind of hard whenever all your best players are in the same position. You can't play them together. You can't form a good chemistry that way. Yeah. Uh, but their centers aren't totally terrible. You know, you have Zibanejad. You have Ryan Strom as a depth option. Philip Heedle's supposed to be really, really good. Mm-hmm. I think he has been. Um, so you have your center options. And then Kevin Rooney down there. Yeah. Well, how much does your opinion on this team change if they get Jack Eichel? <laughs> so much probably because Jack Eichel can be a game changer on a new team. But as of right now, he's not there and God only knows when that trade is happening. If he's, you know, to wherever he lands, he, he, he will become a game changer for whatever team he plays on. Um, when he is able to play again, I think things are a big question mark right now with him. And he, really makes this team interesting that's for sure because he's the number one right yeah and you got a second clearly yeah and then you got a second line center of Nika Zibanejad if he's not included in the trade because let's not forget there's gonna be there's gonna be names going back and it's not gonna be all AHL names it's not gonna be all picks there's gonna be some NHL talent going back to Buffalo you're right but you Zibanejad might be the guy you gotta find someone who doesn't have the no trade clause and is willing to waive it he's got the full no move and yeah, it's only for another year, but you got a full no move there. Hmm, going from New York City to Buffalo. 
Not too many, not too many players are going to want to waive that for that situation. I mean, especially where Buffalo's at in in terms of their franchise right now. You might be able to hit them with a hey, you have one year left on your deal anyway, then you can do whatever you want. But come back at a discounted rate, and we'll just run the league. Right, but um, I would have, yeah, an NHL player has to go back. I just this team's in a good position. I don't think they need to. They're not in a great position, and any team could use Jack Eichel. Like I said last week. Um, you tell me we're trading Jake Gensel for Connor McDavid. I'm driving Gensel to the airport. Yeah. If any way to up upgrade your team in a in a good way, you lose a star player like that. Um, yeah. But I think for what it's worth, I think the Rangers should be happy with their team. Oh yeah, it's not phenomenal shape, but it's good. I would take this. Yeah, I, I'm interested to see what steps they take because two years ago, it was wow the Rangers kind of are already on the back end of their. The rebuild here, they're, they're getting pretty good. Last year it was, okay, they, they had a rocky start. Shesterkin had some trouble staying healthy. Georgiev got punched in the face by Tony D'Angelo after a Penguins loss. So, uh, or a loss to the Penguins, I should say. So, yeah, they had their issues last year, but they still finished in fifth place in the East. Yeah. And yeah, there was a little bit of a gap there between them and the Islanders, but there was a time that they were looking like they, they were, might contend. They were threatening. For that spot. So, who knows what steps they take this year? I know the division is going to be tough this year again, but they stood up to the challenge last year. They embarrassed Philadelphia almost every time they played them. So if they can keep that rolling and continue to play well against us, because they played tough against us, they obviously have a very heated rivalry coming up with the Washington Capitals. That's where their season opener is. So we'll see what happens there. I mean, Ryan Reeves, Tom Wilson – back at it again what do i always say about new york they're the the rangers they're a team that is prone to pop off for nine goals at any yep. given moment and zamena yeah. scores four of them so <laughs> or five yeah, or five or six for that matter he's got to one up himself so who knows this is always they're such a wild card team mm -hmm. that anything can happen yep love that it's an entertaining team it is i'm interested to see if Igor Shostakin can play a full season. What his numbers look like? That too. If he can stay healthy, I want to see what his numbers look like because he just signed that big contract extension. Did he ever? We'll see if he was worth it because this is also the first full year of Chris Drury. So we'll see how any of his moves actually work out. Let's talk about uh, the two stepbrothers, basically uh, Pittsburgh and Washington, because <laughs> they have mirrored each other a lot. Other than the fact that Pittsburgh has won more Stanley Cups, but they've mirrored each other a lot when it comes to the make of their roster. And now you look at Washington, who is one of the oldest teams in the league, doesn't have much in terms of assets. And you look at Pittsburgh, one of the oldest teams in the league, doesn't have much in terms of trade assets. And you look at both of them being first and second place last year in the East Division. Where do you see them this year? Are they even again? Or is there one team that has a leg up on the other? I don't know about leg up. I would assume the Penguins might have the leg up because I'm looking down this Washington roster and it doesn't look like much changed. It, they, nothing really changed. Yeah. They, they they added basically nothing. They lost Brendan Dillon and Zdeno Chara. Like, they lost Vanacek but then got him back. It, nothing really yeah. changed in this roster. Uh, one thing that is... Th this roster is an absolute enigma. They have currently on the roster, on the NHL roster three people under an rfa contract that's it and two of them are goalies and the only other one is our boy daniel sprong <laughs> your um, boy yeah what is this team God. yeah it is 
it is interesting. They're old as hell too. I this mean, old... I'm sure people say that about the Penguins. I say that about the Penguins. They're a pretty old team, but they don't have Washington... a single. De- they don't have a single defenseman under the age of 30. None of them start with a two. That's that's a yikes. I mean, Justin Schultz did have a really good season offensively last year, so good on him. Much more than I expected out of him when he went to Washington. But if you look at that team defensively, not the greatest. Goaltending is a question mark, similar to Pittsburgh. When you look at young goaltenders like Samsonov and Vanacek, they're basically the same thing as a young goaltender in Jari because they're mid-20s, time to see what they're actually made of, and they're expected to carry a team. So we'll see what happens with that. But I think if you're looking at Pittsburgh versus Washington, which team stacks up better on paper, I think it still goes to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, simply because I don't know what Evgeny Kuznetsov is. I, I really don't. They tried to trade him. There were rumors that they were trying to get rid of his contract. Nobody was nobody was biting, and there's a reason for that. There was originally rumors that like maybe TJ Oshie was going to be the one that went in the expansion draft, and they ended up protecting him. This team's weird. This is we'd have to talk with the Capstrips boys about these about these about this team because, um, man, it's just I just never really looked at for this season because I haven't looked at the, this roster and I get it's a lot of the same. But it also doesn't look like they have a roster where you can look at, hey, maybe some minor league call-ups will come up and surprise people because, sure, Connor McMichael might be good, but who's he replacing, really? Yeah. Um, Hendricks LaPierre is supposed to be really good, but again, I think he's going to be in juniors for another season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have much else down there in terms of forwards. I appreciate the name Alexander Alexiev. Shout out to Alex Alex and as their uh, my 21-year-old defenseman in the minors. That's nice. Mm-hmm. It's I need to know more about this team. I got nothing else to, to give, really. Um, for anyone curious, I guess go listen to the Caps Chirp, and maybe we'll try and scoop them on for an episode to really explain this to us. Yeah, if you look at the Capitals team, I think the biggest thing you need to say is it is exactly what you saw last season, basically. Yeah. Just another year older. And minus, I mean, I liked the trade of Brendan Dillon for two second-round picks. I think that was a good move yeah, on the Capitals' had, part. You and and they did, they haven't re-signed Zdeno Chara. I don't think you're missing as much there. I mean, yeah, he's a big body, but, I mean, okay. <laughs> that, that, that's the end of that conversation. He's 48. But, like. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's going to be the same team. And are they going to be better? Possibly. They're probably not going to have as many COVID issues as they had last season, which... They had their Russian five out basically every other week with COVID protocol, but we'll see what they're able to do this season. The last team we haven't talked about is the New Jersey Devils. I am very intrigued by the work of general manager Tom Fitzgerald. I have liked what he has done. He he got the biggest fish of the free agency period in Dougie Hamilton. He signed him to a long contract and He also went and added some other smaller pieces. I think he did a really good job bringing in Ryan Graves from Colorado. He caught Joe Sackick on his back foot, which is not something that many general managers can say. And he got a really good defenseman. And then they were able to go out a couple days into free agency and sign Thomas Tatar. Yeah, they signed him to a pretty hefty contract when it comes to a guy that he, he does put up points, but he doesn't really move the needle when it comes to flashiness. But I think they needed a guy like Tatar, who's experienced, to come in with how young that forward core is. Those forwards, Igor Sharangovich, 
Yanni Kuokinen, Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer. They're all extremely young, but they're all extremely talented. And if they all take a step forward, I think there's an outside chance that the Devils could push for a playoff spot this season. But realistically, if you're asking Devils fans, if you're looking at this team in New Jersey, they're a couple years out from being extremely, extremely competitive. They have their goaltender in Blackwood. They they got Hamilton on this long deal, not for this year and next year, the first two years. It's his third, fourth, and fifth year where he's going to be leading a defensive core yeah. that's going to be an easy shoe-in for a playoff spot in a couple years. The Hamilton contract, it might be long, but he's still only 28. Mm -hmm. um, hey, you know, they're almost, they're almost out from that P.K. Subban contract, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, they got one year left on that. It's almost <laughs> over. You might be able to trade it off, actually. Might. Who knows? If you retain. You'd have to retain, but you know what? There's so much cap. They have so much cap space, I think they can handle that. Yeah, they have $12 million. I think they're okay. Um, that's a good defensive core, especially if you're able to extend guys like Graves or um, even Severson, who's not terrible. It's an interesting team. I don't think they're going to be able to make that much noise this year. Just I think there's an outside chance. There is. I just I feel like this is a team where, yeah, these players are good, but everything still kind of has to go right. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start calling their their goaltending core the Lumberyard because it's Blackwood and Wedgwood, and then you got Bernier in there who kind of looks like a lumberjack. Um. <laughs> So that's interesting. Again, I get Mackenzie Blackwood's supposed to be the future there, but he still strikes me as someone who needs to really get the full grasp and get the full, this is me in the NHL. I can do this. Just, But maybe that's just because he's had a bad team in front of him. Mm -hmm. That kind of hurts. But, hey, you slot Dougie Hamilton in front of him now, Ryan Graves. He's got more He's got more blocked shots coming. Also, they have oh, seven. What did I say? that? Capitals had one forward RFA at the end of the season. Yeah. The end of this season alone, the Devils have six and then three more the following year. They're gonna need that twelve million in space. And you know what it's gonna be after after next after next season? Twelve plus nine is twenty one, ladies and gentlemen. Twenty one million dollars worth of cap space. That's a team that can they can build a good team after this upcoming season. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. In a couple years, yeah, this yeah. team is going to be, if the, if they don't mess it up, yeah. which all intents and purposes, there are general managers that are capable of messing up this situation. But Tom Fitzgerald has shown, especially this offseason with some of his moves, that he is capable of turning this team into a contender. And I think that's what we're going to get. And I think it's going to be interesting years down the road to watch the New York Rangers versus the New Jersey Devils. That rivalry is going to come back tenfold when both of these teams start hitting their stride. But let's finish this conversation off with the Pittsburgh Penguins. We've talked about them and thrown them in in comparison to certain teams, where they fit. I think they're in this five-team mosh of Pittsburgh, Washington, Philly, New York Rangers, and New Jersey Devils. And realistically, when I look at those teams, Pittsburgh, to me, is the best of those five. Other factors, I think, could move all these around. But I still think Pittsburgh is going to be able to finish better than the Philadelphia Flyers. I think the Rangers are going to need to make strides to pass them. I think the Devils, like I said, outside chance to make the postseason. I don't think they're going to really be able to catch up to Pittsburgh if the Penguins can play at a decent level or at least at some similar level to what they did last season. I think they're the best of these five. I believe so, too. Uh, it's 
They we I mean hell we talk we have a whole show about them. We talked about them nonstop. Yes. Um, we know that we like you know, the Heinen and McGinn signings. We know that um, Sidney Crosby has not lost a step yet. We know that Malkin should be able to come back and be good. We're waiting on the Zucker return, really. Um, but as a team, we enjoy. We know that we know what they can do. Um, the defensive core might have some some question marks, but that's just because it's a little aged in certain areas and very very I don't know how to put it in others faulty not faulty kind of back and forth in other areas it's very mm-hmm. you know volatile volatile thank you mm-hmm. that's the word it's very volatile in other areas and then you got the goaltending situation which just go back to last Monday listen to our thoughts on that so it's an interesting team I do still believe that they can string together enough to be the best team of those five you mentioned for sure Mm-hmm. and quite possibly the division. It's a, that one's a bit of a stretch, but I am hopeful, as always. Yeah. And I don't know. I just I like our chances, as always, because I look at our team and realize that, hey, if we were able to do it last year and another year where everyone counted us out, mm-hmm. maybe they can do it again. I feel like I have, we haven't seen enough predictions yet because it's still August and it's too early to do that. Um but I would like to see where people this year really think of the team, considering two years in a row they counted us out, and both years we proved them wrong. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, right now, slot them in at third place in my rankings okay. currently. I have the Islanders at first, the Hurricanes at second, and the Penguins at third. Do I think the Penguins could move above the Hurricanes? Yes. Yeah. Do I think that the Islanders, when it comes to regular season hockey, can run into issues? Yes. They can be streaky in the regular season. So... Do I think Pittsburgh realistically has a chance at the Metro Division title this year? Quite possibly, yes. But all things have to go for the, right for the Penguins. And some things have to go wrong for these other teams as well. Because it is going to be a tough division. There's a chance the Penguins don't make the playoffs. And they're they're not a shoo-in this year. They're, they're not. I, I hate to say it, but they're, they're not guaranteed a playoff spot. Nobody is guaranteed, but the Penguins are at the end of the road when it comes to the Crosby-Malkin era. It, it's a matter of can you dig for a couple extra seasons a couple extra postseason pushes and a couple extra chances at another stanley cup and i think the pittsburgh penguins looking at this division they're definitely going to be able to compete in this very very tough division and i think they could win it if all things go right and that's mainly evgeny malkin's return from injury and tristan jari's bounce back Mm -hmm. if those two go right i could see the pittsburgh penguins finishing in first in the metro if not i could still see them making the playoffs but at the end of the day, if, if things don't go right, and for other teams they do, I could easily see Pittsburgh bowing out before the playoffs start. That would be the end of a weird road, a fun road, but... It would. I think this team's got the juice, though. I do. Because, again, yeah, our yeah our prospect uh, pool is not great. But when it comes to NHL-ready talent down there, or like, mm-hmm. like a step away from NHL-ready talent... There's a good amount, I'd say. There's decent amount. There's P.O. Joseph. You know, Drew O'Connor may not have been able to cut it, but we know he is capable of playing. We know he can keep up. He just has to grow. Um, we've talked Poole and Lagare endlessly. And then there's Hollander, who we've heard might be able to crack a spot at the beginning. So we have nhl-ready talent and that's kind of the end of the road in our prospect pool because then it's a bunch of well what do you have after those guys nothing 
You got your first ups, and then it's a bunch of crap. No offense. These guys are better than us, but you know what I mean. It's well, hell, it doesn't take much to be better than us. Yeah, but it's, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's, I'm just trying. I mean, maybe this is me just trying to boost the confidence in myself in our prospect pool a little bit, mm-hmm. because yeah, it's not great. But again, but then I list off like, we have, you know, O'Connor, Pool and Lagerae, and Hollander. Let's just say those guys stick around and or even Jonathan Gruden if you want to count him if he's able to stick around and make an NHL player out of himself that's five forwards that you grew in your in your pool mm-hmm. you build around with any other NHL players make some trades here and there you've got a good forward core in four or five years again yeah, and but, I think you also throw in Valtteri Pusinen with that too yep and, and I get I'm talking far down the line here but yeah it's we just always have this reputation of not having a great core, which we don't. But if you're able to build five forwards, that's pretty solid. And if yeah. you're able to build, you know, P.O. Joseph's there. He'll crack the NHL again this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Cam Lee and Maniscalco are supposed to be decent for, for defense. Uh, Will Riley has already played professionally in Russia. And that's almost an entire defensive court. It's not that many defensive positions. And then goaltending is... I mean, we'll figure yeah. that out when we get there. I mean, Callie Klang and Joel Blanc yeah, yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. years out. I like the addition of Lindbergh that we made yep. in this offseason. So, I mean, goaltending is improving, definitely. And defense, defensive-wise, you also have to realize how young John Marino is. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, you have some names there. And I think when you're looking at this season specifically, P.O. Joseph is probably the guy that you're going to see. Yep. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins... Listen, there's a reason that Ron Hextall and Brian Burke said, let's try to basically run it back with the same team we had. He filled the spots that he lost, and he said, we like what we have. We don't feel like we need to add anything major to this lineup. And there's a reason for that. And if the Penguins are correct, and if Hextall is correct, they'll be able to not only just compete in this division, but they'll be able to be in the class of this division, which is what we're hoping. But it is going to be difficult this year because the Metro is just another different animal. It's a whole other dogfight. Exactly. So we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to finish off this Monday episode with our weekly Pens poll. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN for great odds, boosts, and opportunities at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, as well as DraftKings Daily Fantasy. College football and the NFL are right around the corner, so make sure you get signed up. Again, promo code THPN at DraftKings. So, our weekly pens poll this week. You mentioned in our last segment a lot of what the Penguins season is going to be. Not a, not a majority of it, but a lot of it depends on if Jason Zucker can return to form of what we saw when he first came over. Or at the very least, a better Jason Zucker than last season. I'm working on a story currently about what that means and what that looks like. But our weekly Pens poll... This week was how many points will Jason Zucker have to score for this season to be considered a success offensively? He was great when it came to analytics and when it came to playing without the puck last year. But with the puck, 
when it came to scoring and counting stats, he was not great last season. So Horwat, what did you say? I said, what were the options? Uh, 40 to 50 points won the poll with 46%. 50 to 60 points came in second with 32%. 30 to 40 points had 22%, and nobody said he would need to score 60-plus points. I don't think anyone expects him to get that much. I would say 40 to 50 as well mm -hmm. um, because he had a down season, and I don't think we're really expecting the um, top-end talents to come back right away. Uh, but it's got to be a little higher than nothing, really. It's you got to yeah. put up something on the board because you're gonna be you're probably gonna be playing with one of two uh, Crosby or Malkin. Odds are, I don't see him slipping to the third that quickly, mm -hmm. especially if especially if uh, it's before Malkin comes back. I don't see him really playing with Bluger. Yeah, on the third line. Again, don't get me wrong. Anything's possible, and that could be fun if it works, but. I just don't see that happening. So it's going to be a matter of, you know, getting it to getting his level to pick up. And if he's playing with a guy like Crosby, um, you know, some points are going to filter in eventually. You, you, only Dominic Simone can be on the Crosby line and not put up some sort of points. Yeah. So I think he has a chance of hitting the 40 or 50, and I think that would be good. You usually want those kinds of um, players to play to their contract. And I think 40 or 50 wouldn't exactly reach it, but it would be at least a step in the right direction where we're not having the discussion of what can his return be, you know, if we were to ship him out. So, Yeah, when it came to this poll, I was torn, especially because, like I said, I'm writing that article and yeah. I'm trying to figure out what I want to see from him on a personal level. And initially I, I voted 40 to 50 percent or 40 to 50 points mm -hmm. on this poll. Now I'm thinking I, I want to see him get 25 and 25. I want to see him get 25 goals, 25 assists. And that's mainly predicated on him playing with Sidney Crosby. All right. I mentioned on this podcast a couple of weeks ago that I think he'll probably start the season off with Jeff Carter because of Malkin's injury. Yes, and sir. the way I think that Mike Sullivan should play it is if you see success between Zucker and Carter, when Malkin comes back, Zucker can play on the third line with Jeff Carter. That's fine. That is very good for your team when it comes to competitive balance. But if Zucker and Carter don't mesh well, and you see sort of what you saw with Zucker and Malkin, you can't keep it there. You put him up with Sidney Crosby because we've at least seen success when it comes to Zucker playing with Sidney Crosby. Very small sample size, but there's success there. He didn't look comfortable with Evgeny Malkin last year. I don't think that's something you can try to run back confidently. I'm not sure how he's going to look with Jeff Carter. Jeff Carter looked great with Jared McCann last year. McCann and Zucker are different players, but at the same time, who knows? Possibly we could see Zucker find a good chemistry with Jeff Carter as his center. Then all you have to do is find that right winger for them. So this is mainly predicated on Zucker playing more with Sidney Crosby this season, but I'd like to see him get 25 and 25 for a total of 50 points at least. I like that 25 and 25. What's really interesting is throughout his career he has been pretty bang on on getting the same amount of goals and assists mm -hmm. um, aside from his first full season in NHL where he popped off for 21 goals and five assists yeah um, he's run down a 22 and 25 a 33 and 31 a 21 and 21 a 14 and 15 um, oh wait so that was the trade year sorry let me do math because he had six and six so it was just 20 and 21 
he's been pretty bang on on matching those numbers. We also have to remember he is a pretty skilled goal scorer, so I like the 25 and 25 idea. Mm-hmm. It would be close. It would be the second highest of his career for him. Yeah. But we damn well know it's possible. Yeah, he's also n- not played a consistent amount of time with somebody as good as Sidney Crosby at center. Yeah, and which he, is again why I predicated on if he's playing with Crosby. And he hasn't been able to play a full season. That's also true. That is also very true. But also when I was looking at this article and a little 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 sneak peek here. Go ahead. Last season he had one of his lowest shooting percentages of his entire career and last season also the amount of shots that he put on if you average it out to 82 along with all of his other seasons if you average them all out to 82 games he had would have had the least amount of shots ever in his career he just didn't shoot the puck he, he wasn't able to get shots on net and if anybody that watches it you like the eye test just go back and watch some of those games anytime the puck was on his stick it was jumping around it, he was not able to get a lot of shots on net so if he's able to get more shots on and to get that shooting percentage up a little bit this 25 and 25 especially if you're playing with Crosby is very very possible yeah if it, like I said only Dominic Simone's open that could play in the Crosby line and not have points to show it it's um and we know Jason Zucker is better than Dominic Simone it's just a matter of getting it it's a matter of him regaining his confidence I think that was one thing that was talked about a lot last season just he's not shooting the puck enough he can shoot it. If he shoots it, good things will happen. Mm-hmm. And he, he's good at going to the correct areas of the ice. And that's one thing we saw with Sidney Crosby is their chemistry, Zucker knew where to go for Crosby to find him. And that is something that I'd love to see. I'd love to see Zucker go out on that line, put up 50 points. I'd love to see Rust on the right side of that line, put up 60 points. And I'd like to see Crosby break that 100 points. That would be one, one ideal. Time. One last time. That would be ideal for me. Whether or not that happens is a different story, though. <laughs> so, Horwat, before we go, any last thoughts on Jason Zucker or anything that we've talked about today? Um, again, I th- we mentioned it a lot last week. Be confident in your players. Be confident in your team. Um, and given the state of the world recently, hey, you know what? Let's be happy the sport is still around. Let's be happy that uh, the teams are still around. No one's folding. We have a 30-second team. And uh, just have fun, everyone. We're in one of those days, you know. Just enjoy what you got, because it is all it is all fun in games. It's a sport that we may take too seriously sometimes, but hey, it's fun, man. You're in a very Barney mood. Just just happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> happy to be in the world today, Horwat. I'm going to actually play hockey a little bit after this. I'm a, I'm getting giddy, you know. There you go, buddy. Well, well, that's going to be it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We hope everybody enjoyed it. Let us know what you think the Metropolitan Division is going to look like this season. Message us on Twitter, at Iceberg Podcast, on Instagram or Facebook, at the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. But that is it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. We'll see you guys on Thursday. You can follow us on Twitter, at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.